Welcome back to the Reading Blues podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the school community, asking them questions and spending time to understand more about them and more about the school. In this episode, we're going online and finding out about the future of education with the head of physics at the school, Benjamin Schuler. Now, fun fact, Reading Bluecoat was one of the schools that was already looking at online learning before the pandemic arrived, which means they were naturally in a great place to make that rapid switch back in 2020. Not that it came without its issues, though, something that Benjamin talks about in this episode. So we get to hear what challenges they faced, how it all worked out at school, especially in the physics department, and what the opportunities were that came as a result of this. So enough chit chat from me. Let me take you into this episode right now as we speak to Head of Physics, Benjamin Schuler. Benjamin, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. It's a nice, crisp, cold morning at Bluecoat and uh, it's a nice break from marking my year 11 mocks, which has been <laughs> my morning so far. And if marking year 11 mocks, is that the kind of thing that tends to fill your time on a typical day? Normally I would have my year 11s in lessons with me, but they're sitting there next exam and I'm seeing how they've done on their physics so far, which right. is pretty good. I'm happy. And you mentioned that it's a cold morning. I mean, we're recording this on 30th November. So here we are approaching Christmas. I mean, how is school different for you when, you know, in that run up to Christmas? A lot of schools tend to feel like that's a very busy time of year. Is it busy for you in the physics department? It is. I think it's always a time of year which can be difficult because the end isn't quite yet in sight. We're still doing meaty proper things. We're not yet lifting off um, thinking about Christmas itself but uh, people are tired and so just need to be sympathetic and kind to each other. (laughs) Yeah that end of term feeling I I think every parent knows exactly what it's like when their child goes through that that tired feeling at the end of term it's almost like they're ready for the holidays when the holidays come. Yes and the adults as well. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to be finding out lots about physics and about online learning as well. But I'd love to know a little bit about your background. So where you went to school, whether your experience of school was positive and how on earth you ended up at Reading Bluecoat. Yeah, so I grew up in Cambridge and I was really fortunate to be one of the last people to be awarded an assisted place. So actually, I was on a scholarship and an assisted place to the Lees in Cambridge. And I know two of your previous guests have attended two of the other lovely schools in Cambridge. So we now hit all three. That's right. Yes. And did you enjoy Cambridge when you were growing up there? I loved it. It's a beautiful city. And I've been fortunate to live in a sequence of beautiful places and now being here is no exception. So how did you end up at Reading Bluecoat then? Because I, I imagine that if, if someone's growing up in the Cambridge sort of area, then Reading Bluecoat's probably not on your radar when you're younger. So I was teaching in East London before I came here, and I had a friend who was teaching at another school in Reading, and so when I saw this job came up, I asked him what Reading Bluecoat was like, and he described it as his dream school. I thought, well, that's worth more consideration (laughs) well it was good enough for him then I'm sure it's good enough for all of us in that case okay so let's talk then about uh, physics as well just 
can you describe to us what the physics department is like? Imagine that I'm a parent and I've never stepped into the physics department. Um, what could I expect to see if I stepped in there, say, tomorrow? In physics, we've got three labs. I hesitate slightly because um, we're very fortunate that all three sciences are very popular. So we have some that we trade between us. We've got two technicians and I'm not sure quite how to count how many teachers because, again, lots of people have their fingers in lots of different pies. And, yeah, we do lots of practical work and some of the best facilities in any school I've worked in. Okay, so let's talk about online learning then because a lot of teachers might say that they prefer teaching in the classroom, and, and I'm sure that's true. So before pandemic, I understand that you were looking at online learning as an opportunity in school. Where did all of that come from in the first place? We're lucky in physics that we're generally fairly scientifically minded and happy to try new technologies and new things. And we were playing with Microsoft Teams and some of the other bits and pieces before. And so when suddenly we went into lockdown, we were familiar with the tools, even though we weren't using them day to day. And so to mm. suddenly switch to doing that as our main way of working wasn't easy, but we had an idea of what we could do with it and the strengths which we've been able to bring back into normal teaching again afterwards. So what were some of the early issues that you needed to overcome in order to make this work? What we missed was the eye contact with pupils. The look a pupil has when they think they understand something but they're not quite sure doesn't translate well to a video call. And to be more active as a teacher, to ask pupils what they're thinking about and explain things back to you more than you normally would in a classroom-based lesson, took a while mm -hmm. to realise that that was the way to check their understanding. So just to go back then, what was it that prompted you to start looking at this in the first place? I'm part of the MIEE, the Microsoft Innovative Educator Expert Programme, which sounds much more grand than it is. Mm -hmm. It's meetings every month and calls, and they share some of the new things they're coming up with for teachers and people shared ways that they can be used in lessons and classrooms around mm. and we discuss those in physics meetings and see which ones work with our pupils and the way we teach. So this was something that you were looking at then before the pandemic um, and of course back then most people didn't really understand or expect that there'd be a massive need for this kind of way of learning in in the coming months slash years and here we are still now you know bordering on the edge of possibly needing to do something again but clearly nobody really wants to take that route but you indicated earlier that that there, there, that there are issues with you know how you communicate with a child that, that expression on their face and back when you were looking at this of course there, there wasn't a pandemic there, there wasn't a big problem to overcome in the first place so what are some mm. of the benefits then that that Microsoft uh, are, are promoting about this way of working? I think the one that's translated best into normal being in school together teaching is some of the collaboration stuff. So I'm also head of the army section and for the senior cadets to have one space where they can plan their activities and ask for the equipment they need from Captain John is so useful and it's uh, timeless that they can go in there and when it suits them and I can go in and try and be a step ahead of them uh, mm. in this electronic space. Tell us a little bit more about that collaboration. 
uh, Benjamin, if you could. It'd be great to understand a little bit more about how the department does collaborate with other departments in school and why that's beneficial for the pupils as well. I think the collaboration happens in all levels. So in a lesson I had my year 10s a few weeks ago rolling dice to simulate radioactive isotopes and in the past they would come up and type it into a computer whereas it's now very easy for them on their laptop or on their phone to Mm. chuck numbers into a spreadsheet and on the board we've got a graph developing in real time whilst it happens which as a man who enjoys graphs more than the average person is very pleasing for me but also as teachers as the department it's where we plan our lessons and it's then saved for next year it's not in a filing cabinet that can be lost or anything like that so yeah it's working at all levels so then of course 2020 arrives and pandemic happens and online learning has to happen i'm guessing then that the school was in a much better position to switch to online learning possibly than other schools were we were and we were very very fortunate in the timing that we had new laptops i think The IT department worked incredibly hard to accelerate that by about half a term. And they handed out brand new laptops to the entire teaching staff, essentially over half a week, rather than a term that they normally would. And But then that meant that everyone was at home with state-of-the-art equipment to support this new way of teaching for a while. Let's just go back to that time, if you you don't mind, Benjamin. I'd love to understand what was happening inside your, your inside your mind really when all of this change was being thrown upon the whole world and of course you've got your in your teaching capacity and your department a need in order to what a need to make sure that everything carries on running just like it should do that the children can carry on learning but I imagine as well that you had things happening outside of work that you're concerned about family members and things like that Mm. do do you remember what was going on inside your mind inside your heart at the time I think we were all just worried about the vulnerable people we knew we didn't know a lot about the disease at that point I was quite ill in bed for a few weeks and there was lots that was worrying but in a way the teaching was the solid part it was the unchanging core around which everything else was happening because the principles of good teaching, of knowing your pupils, understanding where they are and moving them a step forwards, as soon as we realise that that's the same, whether it's through a screen or if they're in the room with you, then we're suddenly into sharing what's the best way these things can happen, what worked well with your class yesterday that I can try with my class mm. tomorrow. I love that. So the principles remain the same, even though the delivery method may well be radically different to children being in school. Absolutely. And I think that's true with the electronic whiteboards as well. I love them. I love the graphics tablets, but it just enables me to face a class and write the answers to a problem that they've been working on Mm. whilst also looking at their faces. So it's almost the best of both worlds that they can see what I'm writing. Um, As Mr. Salmon would say, you can't do that without an OHP. Well, now we can. (laughs) Yeah. And OHP, we all remember those with the OHP pens as well. 
So tell me a little bit then about how that worked with practical experiments, because, you know, I imagine that your physics department is filled with various things, which, which, <laughs> which may or may not sort of do things like set off fire alarms and things like that. But all of a sudden, if children are at home and there's, there's that disconnect, physical disconnect between teacher and, and pupils, then you, I imagine that you can't expect children to, to carry out too many practical experiments at home. No, and with that, our first response was we changed the order of our teaching. So we saved a lot of the circuits and the things which are best to do practically hands-on for when we were able to be back, we hoped. And instead, we focused on a lot of the more theoretical stuff where Mm. um, there's great resources online, videos that we would normally show in a lesson. So a lot of the space topic and research into uh, nuclear physics. We shifted all of that forward and thought, right, well, we'll unpick this and deal with the implications later. And how did the children respond to all of this? Did, Did some children find that this was actually a better way of working for them? I think a few did. A few really preferred it. And actually, when they came back, found some of the distractions being back challenging and we had to help them overcome that. vast majority got on with it and their practical skills weren't where they were, but actually the amount of theory they'd covered was, Mm. in some cases, more than we'd normally expect. Mm. And, of course, there were some pupils who sadly found it very difficult and we were supporting them in other ways. Okay, so let's look to the future a little bit now, because now that our eyes have been opened to this whole world of the possibilities of online learning, where does it go in the future? What does digital learning look like in education in the future? So there's lots of interesting stuff being written about um, hybrid learning, as it's called now. And I'm part of the learning research group. My master's in education was on researching practice. And I love reading what other people are doing and thinking which aspects of that work well with our pupils. Hmm. And I don't think the, as I said earlier, the principles of what good teaching is have changed. It's a new tool, but the OHP didn't revolutionise teaching. Having a computer in the corner didn't. Teachers know their pupils and take them a step further. And suddenly we've got a new tool in our toolbox that means we don't have to worry about saving our notes where we got to that moment we can let the computer worry about that bit so if we jump forward say i don't know 12 months and then 24 months and then maybe sort of five years or 10 years maybe even further how does education look then lots of people are thinking about paperless classrooms and everyone writing on tablets and that might happen but i don't think it's going to happen soon because you can't beat a piece of paper and a pencil to work out a problem, to sketch a diagram and draw some forces on it, then you've really got to understand what's going on. So I'd say that's not going to happen soon. But what I think will happen is that multi-modal way of working where you can rely on looking things up, not in a data book, but you can search it online really easily and Mm -hmm. your brain begins to trust that it knows that. I can still remember the phone number of the house I grew up in but I barely know my own mobile phone number (laughs) because I know that my address book has that electronically. So let's say 25 years in the future you know uh, you know let's step into the world of a science fiction movie that we might be watching right now I mean is it 
is it fair to say that science fiction worlds tend to get that quite drastically wrong? I mean, the fundamentals clearly won't have changed, like like you've said, but you know, will the delivery method of education be totally different in 25 years' time? There's always going to be a need for the pupil to have a personal connection with somebody who knows them and knows what their difficulties are. Hmm. And we might be able to put more practice into kind of AI algorithms that adjust the next question to be just a little bit harder. And there are people doing things in that which sound really exciting. Hmm. I don't think they're quite good enough yet to beat the experience of an adult who knows that child and knows their subject really well. Okay, so when you mention AI, then it's quite hard to ignore uh, the introduction of the metaverse that Mark Zuckerberg has been talking about recently. And then then we start looking at uh, VR and AR, the augmented reality side of things. Do you see education there changing where maybe some, I'm just imagining here, a scenario where some children might be in class and some people might be at home and those who are happier at home could stay at home but sort of feel like they are part of that class environment so instead of the learning being in class and the, the blended approach to, you know, to have, a, a say, a video camera in there, it, it might be more integrated. It might be, feel more like everybody is together, even though they are separated. Yes, I can absolutely see that being a thing. Um, with Microsoft Teams, we did a one of the other challenges we've not talked about is the step where pupils were isolating. We were all back in school, but if a pupil was a contact and they were at home isolating, how did we teach them effectively whilst also looking after the class in the room and for practical work, which we were then doing? And that's where I found having just an external webcam and turning it on would allow the pupil at home to see what was going on and feel part of it. And Mm. yeah, I can absolutely see AR and VR replacing that aspect which was quite useful in yeah at that time to what extent do you think we need to be cautious that solutions to problems end up becoming a way of life and an option that children might choose where it's not actually addressing a problem but it just kind of makes it possibly easier or at least they perceive it to be easier but then that that may well create other more social problems in their communication skills i think that is a problem and one discussion we're having at the moment is the instant messaging aspect which in lockdown we suddenly found it was part of this program we were using and was fantastically useful and reduced the email traffic hugely but we're now at a point where we're using it a lot and yeah pupils are very very comfortable and happy with it often more than the staff Hmm. And we're just questioning, is this how we want to be using it? And what's the best way of this supporting uh, our pupils and the way we want to be teaching them? So obviously, I imagine well-being and mindfulness and keeping a track on just being mentally aware of, of how people are, how well they're keeping themselves is going to be even more crucial. Um, I'd love to know, before we finish, though, just on that note, how you might go about taking a bit of time out yourself, how you might de-stress from, you know, any day at at school that you might think, actually, I just need to go and, and wind down a little bit. What do you what approach do you tend to take to look after yourself? I love being outside and 
I used to have a lovely cycle ride home along the river before my son was born. Unfortunately, I don't have the time for that now. <laughs> and so I go out with the dog, sometimes with a podcast and sometimes with nothing at all and just enjoying being outside in the fresh air. Very good. Well, on that note, I think we should probably bring this one to a close. Uh, Benjamin, if anyone's heard anything and they wanted to get in touch with you or with someone else at school, what's the best way they should go about doing that? That would be through school email and mine is bjs at rbcs.org.uk well thank you so much for your time thanks for being here today and opening up this world of physics and online learning and what we might expect to see in the future as well thank you you're welcome so that was head of physics benjamin Schuler talking all about physics fundamentals and the future of education and learning thank you benjamin for your time today we really appreciate you being here if you have any questions for him then as he said you can drop him a line it's bjs at rbcs.org.uk and that should get straight into his inbox now our next episode is coming out soon but in the meantime thank you for listening to this one don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch and we look forward to seeing you next time bye for now